Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. It seems like nowadays we think there isn't a problem in the world that can't be fixed with an app. According to Apple, between the launch of their App Store in July 2008 and June of 2017, we've downloaded 180 billion apps. Every year, developers create more and more apps with new and different functions, making it difficult to find an issue that a quick trip to the App Store won't purport to solve. These range from the usual games that keep your mind active on the morning commute to the more niche and bizarre. Like an app to help you stay calm during childbirth. Or one that helps you get a cheap divorce without the hassle of needing to see lawyers or even your soon-to-be ex-spouse. There's even an app designed to help users wean themselves off their smartphones with virtual trees that only grow as long as you leave the app open and wither if you switch over to something else. One developer apparently made $2 million from sales of an app called Nothing that just displays the word nothing on your screen. But can we really create an app for everything? I'm one of the co-creators of WeCroak, the app that reminds users that they are going to die five times a day at randomized times. Why are we so obsessed with getting a quick digital fix? And what does it say about the human race that we might turn to the App Store for help quicker than we turn to each other? One of the things that's happened is that just we're flooded with every possible opportunity to appify um, parts of our lives. And because I think inherently humans are quite, you know, lazy, we're looking for shortcuts, aren't we? We're looking for easy ways of doing things that every time a new app comes along that we think might save time or make our lives a bit easier, you know, we're downloading them and giving them a go. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. And this is Chips With Everything. And day to day, life is a hard job. You get tired. You lose the pattern. You need distance, interval. The way to see how beautiful Earth is, is to see it from the moon. The way to see how beautiful life is, is from the vantage point of death. Wow, that's amazing. Can we get some more? Yeah, so... You never, it's random every time. You never know now, what you're going to get. we're not trying to depress you as you, you drink your morning coffee or take an afternoon stroll. Here's one. Uh, the graves are full of ruined bones of speechless death rattles. Silence equals death. Act up. The other side of the sacred is the sight of your beloved in the underworld dripping with maggots. Here's a quote from uh, pop culture, the movie, the comedy Zoolander. Maybe you've seen it. 
Did you ever think that maybe there is more to life than being really, 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 really ridiculously good looking? <laughs> These are just some of the messages that might pop up on your phone at unexpected points throughout the day if you download an app called WeCroak. So it sends notifications, push notifications, five times a day, random times, so you never know when they're going to come, just like death. And when they do come, uh, users are invited to take a deep breath or a moment for contemplation, and you're also invited to swipe and see a quote. So when people swipe to see the quote, there is a database of around 400 right now, and we're adding to it, of quotes from everyone from Stoic philosophers like Marcus Aurelius to meditation teachers to uh, drag queens to science fiction writers, uh, pop stars, poets, anyone that we thought said something wise about death. Could you give us an example of some of these quotes? We Croak was the result of a chance encounter between two individuals in different fields. Hansa Bergwall works in public relations and sometimes rents out his apartment on Airbnb. Ian Thomas is a freelance app developer who ended up renting a room one night. The pair got chatting, and next thing they knew, they were putting their ideas and skills into developing WeCroak. Hansa explained why he wanted to create this app. I, like most people, was grabbing my phone and checking it 85 times a day. That's, that's the average. And it was really becoming a giant source of uh, distraction, as well as how useful it was you know, to get places for directions or to have email or things like that. And, you know, I, but I would find myself scrolling endlessly through Facebook, getting caught up in an addictive game like Candy Crush, or really just having my phone gobble up more and more time in my life that I really wanted to reserve for other things. And I really wanted something to interrupt me and uh, sort of break the, the trance that happens with really highly immersive, addictive mobile technology in my pocket. So looking into what people have done in the past, you know, death contemplation definitely caught my eye. It was something used for thousands of years, both by Buddhist meditation teachers, uh, Stoic philosophers, in order to add perspective to life and to you know, take you out of the moment and give you that bigger perspective. And it occurred to me that it would be really fun for it to be random and for it to be, uh, have a, a quote aspect to it to keep it engaging and that's that's how it was born it's about uh, taking control back of the phone space as something that not only takes me off track in my day but puts me back on track do you not think there's some irony to the fact that this app that you've designed because you felt a need to get off your phone is on your phone you know i actually i don't and the reason for that is it gets pretty murky between what is ourselves and what are our thinking tools? You know, when we're touching something 85 times a day or we're constantly attached to it, it becomes, you know, just a part of how we think. Like, oh, I can just quickly Google that. Or, oh, I can run out of the door without knowing where I'm going because my Maps app will tell me turn by turn where I'm going to go. And, you know, we're not born with our words or our language, but it's pretty hard to define who we are without them. You know, we, we wear clothing every day and our sense of style, we, would, we wouldn't feel like ourselves without, you know, our clothing. And I think our technology is a lot like that, where if we're interacting with, with it that much, it becomes a part of us and who we are and how we spend our time. So because of that, you know, you're faced with a choice. If you're unhappy with how much addictive technology is 
eating up your life or pushing you in places that don't make you happy, which it was for me, you can either become a renunciate and throw your phone in the nearest river and become a monk or something like that, which honestly was not what I wanted to do with my life. Or you can become something of an activist and try to create the tools and the new kinds of apps that respect your time, your peace, your state of mind, so that uh, having a phone is something that feels good rather than feels like a constant problem. Mm. So how many people have downloaded WeCroak? And have you seen patterns for where those people are based? Yeah, uh, over 25,000 now have paid uh, 99 cents or the equivalent in currency around the world uh, to have this app remind them they're going to die five times a day, which is pretty great. Most of our downloads, uh, about half are in the United States and the rest are around the world. It's been downloaded in over 90 countries. Uh, there's quite a lot in uh, Great Britain, in Germany, in Italy, in Russia, in uh, Australia. Uh, of course, a lot of English-speaking places. Uh, but then, you know, there's also places where we see people are using the app in Saudi Arabia and, uh, you know, all over South America. So really, it's people have found it. You've said that people have written to you to say that they enjoy getting these messages that remind them of their death. Why do you think that is? You know, it's really so counterintuitive and seems to be so consistent that, you know, we tend to get caught up in things that don't really matter that much. And those things make us unhappy. And the notification comes in and you take one breath and all of a sudden, whatever had gotten you down doesn't feel so big anymore. I have a personal example where, you know, one day I had a lot of deadlines for my own, you know, day job and I was stressing out. I didn't think I could get them all done. I was yelling at my husband about how frustrated I was about this and this and how the next thing was going to go wrong. And suddenly I get a notification and I go, and on top of all that, I'm going to die. And all of a sudden we were both laughing. And I think that's what people find is it just, it can interrupt and change things. What I've learned is people have done death contemplation for thousands of years, despite the fact that it sounds uncomfortable, because it's very effective. It's a very fast acting tool to check in and change the moment. We all already know that we're going to die. So why do we need to pay you to remind us? Well, of course, you don't have to pay me to remind uh, you. Uh, People have been doing momentum mori or death contemplation practice for thousands of years. However, I found it I needed mine to be on my phone because my phone is always in my pocket and it was about reclaiming that space as a mindfulness space and uh, that was the one thing I would sure would always be around and that if it buzzed that I would look at. So uh, you don't need to pay me to do death contemplation practice but if you also use your phone and check it probably 85 times a day it's a great place for your practice to be. So maybe the path to a happy life is to download an app that repeatedly reminds you that you are going to die. But even if you doubt the necessity of an app like WeCroak, you probably use apps for more day-to-day things, like checking when the next train is, ordering food in when you just don't feel like cooking, messaging people on the other side of the world for free, and listening to podcasts like this one. 
So what would happen if the app stores suddenly ceased to exist? What would we do? And what does it say about us that a life without apps now seems hard to imagine? I think I did read a piece of research recently that said um, there is some evidence that our skills in critical thinking and analysis have deteriorated over the last 10 years. Um, also focus and concentration. You know, we're, we're possibly just not using our brains as much. More on that after this short break. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Danielle Stevens here. Our latest episode of The Story Podcast looks at the death of Savita Halepanavar. Some of the people here, they still cry when we talk about her, even after five years. Who was she? How did she die? And how did this one woman's tragic death trigger a movement? that would lead to a historic referendum for the people of Ireland. They, that morning when they walked into Galway University Hospital, had no idea of the kind of constitutional legal history that they were walking into um, and what a mess they were walking into and the kind of really catastrophic impact it was going to have on on their lives. To have a listen, head over to theguardian.com forward slash podcasts or search the story on your favourite podcast app. Yeah, I think that's one thing both. Hmm. I think I said that when I spoke to you on the phone, didn't I? That, you know, people will... The majority of us will be in the middle, mm. but there'll be people at both extremes. It'd be funny if we had, like, a, a complete division, wouldn't it? If we ended up with, like, a dystopian... Welcome back to Chips with Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Like the Amish. Yeah. Before the break... We spoke to Hansa Bergwall, the co-founder of an app that sends you periodic reminders that you're going to die, about why an app like this needs to exist. To delve a little deeper into our obsession with apps, I sat down with Tanya Goodin, who is a digital detox specialist and author of a book called Off, Your Digital Detox for a Better Life. 
and despite being a specialist in putting the smartphone away, she admitted that she too is pretty dependent on her apps. Uh, well, I think it's like everybody else's. It's a kind of love-hate relationship. I have got over 200 apps installed <laughs> on my phone, which I had to check recently for a talk I was giving to some school children about the average number of apps, uh, which I was a bit horrified about. But most of them fall into, I discovered, photography and travel. So living in London, I've got hundreds of parking apps for all the different parking areas. Um, and my relationship, I guess, is that, um, like everybody else, sometimes I find myself using them too much, particularly social media. I'd say Twitter's my thing. Uh, and I occasionally deinstall apps. I mean, I kind of had a spring clean every six months where I go through and I get rid of all the apps that I've, you know, downloaded because they looked good, but actually haven't used mm. very much. Do you know what is the average number of apps that a person has on their phone then? And do you know if you're kind of high or low? Yeah, I think it was around about the 250 or two, you know, that kind of. So I was just, just <laughs> below the average. I wasn't too horrified when I saw that. So Tanya understands this tendency we have to fill our phones full of apps designed to solve all sorts of different problems. I wanted to know why she thinks we've come to depend so much on apps in our day-to-day -day lives. So I think... One of the things that's happened is that just we're flooded with every possible opportunity to appify um, parts of our lives. And because I, I think inherently humans are quite, you know, lazy. We're looking for shortcuts, aren't we? We're looking for easy ways of doing things mm. that every time a new app comes along that we think might save time or make our lives a bit easier, you know, we're all downloading them and giving them a go. Why do you think we have started to appify all these different aspects of our lives? Why are we depending on apps and expecting them to solve all our problems? I think a lot of it is to do with how addictive those apps are. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff written in the media at the moment about the dopamine surges that we get from the notifications we get from apps particularly. So I think probably... Uh, most of us are not at the extreme end of addiction, but we're quite dependent um, and we probably like those little bursts we get from the badges and the banners and the app notifications. Um, and it's kind of turned our phones into um, slot machines. You know, we never know what notification we're going to get next from which app. Presumably you think there's some downside to relying on these tools that make things so quick and easy for us. What do you think that is? Yeah, I think I did read a piece of research recently that said um, there is some evidence that our skills in critical thinking and analysis have deteriorated over the last 10 years. Um, also, focus and concentration. You know, we're, we're possibly just not using our brains as much as we used to. I mean, I think Google Maps is a great example. Um, when I did a digital detox, I took, you know, all the apps off my phone. And actually, navigating without Google Apps takes you right back to basics. You know, most of us have kind of forgotten how to do that. We're so used to following the app. Uh, so I think we're just, some of our brain processes are just a bit rusty, really. Mm. Do you think that's necessarily dangerous in itself, though, that we're, that we're not using those parts of our brains as much if it's just for things that we now have digital um, solutions for? I don't think we're going to know the answer to that until probably a few decades' time because it won't just be, I'm sure the part of our brain that, you know, tells us how to navigate, it could well impact other areas. I think one of the things I really worry about is we've still got quite big problems that need to be solved in the world. Um, and if we're all, if our attention span is all, you know, deteriorating and we're less able to think critically, who are going to solve those problems while we're all looking for instant gratification on our phones? And do you think there's some sense in which particular kind of art forms or crafts or industries have been damaged by all of these apps? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I came across a company recently that make um, handmade, beautiful um, globes. And for a while, with the introduction of GPS and Google Maps, they saw their business completely kind of um, deteriorate. But recently, there's been a real resurgence in people wanting beautiful hand-painted globes that actually we don't really need because we can navigate using technology. But um, they're just beautiful to look at and, you know, lo- a lovely um, form of art. Mm. So have you seen a backlash to this then and people turning against using apps? Yeah, I think there's um, a kind of analogue resurgence at the moment um, in certain pockets of society. And what's really interesting is that I think a lot of that's come from the kind of Silicon Valley area. I actually saw that at the weekend, a group of computer science majors at Stanford University protested outside the Apple store in Cupertino um, against addictive technology and I thought that was really interesting you know they're, they're right in the middle of Silicon Valley they're studying computer science and they're protesting um, but I think you know everywhere we look there's kind of you know a resurgence in things like you know stationary writing art um, even analog photography so I think that's kind of springing up all over the place craftsmanship you know going back to actually doing things properly by hand So you must have some examples in mind of apps that you think are pretty pointless. So ones where the developers obviously think they're solving a problem, but you just look at them and you think it's ridiculous. Yeah, one of the sort of sets of apps I have a problem with are the apps designed to stop you using your apps and your phones. And there's a huge growth at the moment in kind of mindfulness apps and apps that count how much time you spend on a phone and um, what you're doing on there. And I I kind of, I feel about those type of apps the way I feel about low alcohol or or no alcohol beer that actually we're just better putting our phones down um, and it's but it's all about monetizing the desire we all have to spend less time on technology I think and I think everybody's leaping on that bandwagon at the moment um, and saying how can we come up with an app that will stop you from using apps um, which just seems to me insane. So what do you think are the benefits of resisting this impulse that we have to solve every problem with an app? Well I think most things in life that are kind of worthwhile probably require time and effort. Um, I mean, I'd put relationships into that area. Um, You know, maybe work, maybe producing a great piece of work. So, you know, in all areas of our life, if we're not able to really focus and concentrate, I think we're not going to reap the rewards that we get when we actually put proper time and concentration in. How do you think we'd cope if the app store and all of the apps that we depend on suddenly disappeared? Do you know what? I actually don't think it would be too much of a problem initially. You know, when I take people away on digital detox retreats, the fear of what it's going to be like is always so much more than actually the reality. So I think there'd probably be a, you know, 24 hour of complete panic meltdown. And then, you know, we're very adaptable. We find ways around it. But I think... Just the thought of that happening probably puts people into complete blind panic. So the fear of losing our apps might be greater than the trouble it would cause if it actually happened. But what if we decided we didn't need apps anymore? Where would that leave app creators like Hansa? For me, it's far-fetched to go without my phone uh, forever, just because there's so many things that I want to do in life that require connectivity and the modern tools of technology that I have to figure out a way to work with them rather than totally reject them. So I think it's unlikely we're all gonna throw our phones in the river. Uh, 
Unless, of course, we don't figure out a way to make them work for us and it becomes so unbearable that, you know, we all do something radical and have a totally different vision of the future than the one we currently have. My thanks this week to Hansa Bergwall and Tanya Gooden. You can find a link to both We Croak and Tanya Gooden's book, Off, Your Digital Detox for a Better Life, in the description for this episode on The Guardian website. I also want to hear from you. If you have any questions or feedback on the show, and if you have any ideas for cool digital stories that we should cover in future episodes, email us at podcast at theguardian.com. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. See you next time. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.